Hey everybody, this is RJ Thompson joining you for another episode of the City of View podcast. And I'm sitting in my office in Bliss Hall on the campus of Youngstown State University. I'm sitting here with uh, Jocelyn and Bob Dabney. And um, I have a feeling that they're going to have some really awesome things to say. And uh, before I, I open it up to their background and you know having them explain their, their histories... Um, I'm, I'm sitting here with two storytellers and I'm hoping maybe Jocelyn, you could, you could start us off with maybe, uh, maybe a story, put you on the spot. Okay. Lay it on me. What do you got? All right. Well, I'll tell you a a kind of funny story and then it's coming up on Halloween. Okay. So there once was a man who worked very hard for a living and he lived way back in the day and he was walking home one night and he was coming down by the cemetery and he decided to take a shortcut through the graveyard. Woo! (laughs) So he walked by the graveyard and he heard a voice say, turn me over, turn me over. Well, that man, he took off running. He ran home and his wife said, honey, you're working too hard. Well, the next night, the man worked later than he did the night before the night before. And he was walking, 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 and it was such a long way that he decided to take the shortcut through the graveyard. Ooh! And the voice said, turn me over, turn me over. And that man took off running, and he got home, and his wife said, honey, I'm telling you, you're working too hard. Well, the next night, because... You know, things happen in threes and stories. We don't know why. But the third night he was walking home, it was even later than it was the night before the night before. And he decided to take a shortcut through the graveyard. And that voice said, turn me over, turn me over. Now this man, his mom had always taught him, son, sometime you have to confront your fears. So he said, I'm going to find out who's trying to scare me. So he walked closer into the graveyard. And the voice got louder. Turn me over. Turn me over. And right in the middle of the graveyard, he saw a big stone house. And in the middle of the house was a door. Now, I didn't make up the rules, but in every scary story, when you open up a door, the door squeaks. So help me open the door. Squeak. (gasps) He looked down. There were 13 steps descending into darkness. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. When he got to the bottom of the steps, he's in a pitch black room. (gasps) And over in the corner, there was something red. It was a bed of red hot coals. And on top of the coals was a half-done hamburger. And the hamburger said, what? Turn me over. (laughs) Now, this is the part you won't believe, RJ. That man had a hamburger flipper, a spatula in his pocket. And he flipped that hamburger over. And what did the hamburger say? Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you for for starting us off on a very high note. Um, selfishly, I think my daughter would love that story. So oh, I'm, tell I, it. I I absolutely will. I will I will do my best to repeat that story. Uh, I think she'd get a big kick out of it. Um, so having said that, uh, Bob, do you got a story? No, I don't. No. Oh, he's got many stories. He's a drummer. Um, so how did you get started in storytelling? Let's start at the very beginning. Okay. 
Okay, well, I was a librarian. I was a librarian at an alliance first because I moved here in 1980. I purposely moved here to Youngstown. I was friends. I am friends with Wendy Webb, the former superintendent of Youngstown City Schools. We went to Kent together. And so I moved to Youngstown because we worked in a ministry together. And as time went on, I became the librarian at the Rand School. And I was asked to come to the old Northside Library to tell stories. And I didn't know at that time there was this whole art of storytelling. I just went, me and another librarian, um, Linda Bohannon-White, and we told stories. And somebody else asked me to come. And then I found out there was a class Kent State offered in the summer on storytelling. So I took that. And I found out there was a master's in storytelling. So God allowed me to go all the way down to East Tennessee State in Johnson City, Tennessee. And, um, and I have a master's in storytelling. And um, the first African-American, that's my little claim to fame, to have that degree. That's wonderful. And I had a theater background. I forgot that theater background. And I uh, loved being in theater. But a lot of the parts, when they came mm. out, they were musicals. You know, I can't sing. Or they had a lot of cursing. I don't like swearing. So I just feel like God brought storytelling into my life because I can perform for audience of smallest audience. Actually, nobody showed up. Then the largest audience, maybe 2,000 people. So God made it so I can perform just like I performed for you, just right. one person. And it's all good. Out of nowhere, too, just like on a dime, just start it. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the first question that came to mind. Uh, why do you think, like, you've been put on this storytelling path? What do you think is, you know, I, I, I suspect, like, there are people along the way that listen to your stories that learn lessons as they go. But what, what do you, can you extrapolate on that? Well, I think, again, God put me on the path because he knew I liked to perform. Now I'm more so, I like performing still, but I really like when I teach the storytelling classes because I teach classes from time to time, a six-week class. I really like showing other people how to do it, and I really get a thrill out of seeing other people tell stories uh, because we all have a story because people say, I can't tell like you, Jocelyn. No, but you tell like you, RJ. When you tell that story to your daughter tonight, it's going to be all you. And um, and there's always a lesson, just like in that st- in that silly story, there was a lesson when the man had to confront his fears. And instead of just telling the kid, you got to confront your fears, you tell the story and work it in there and they hear it better and understand it. The subtlety of it, you know, actually speaks volumes for sure. Um, so what kind of stories are you telling these days? Uh, well, I usually tell, well, I always tell stories from the African-American oral tradition um, because we do a lot of call and response. Like like when Bob was helping me, if the audience was here, they would have been counting and helping me out. And um, so I tell anything from funny, sometimes you laugh, sometimes you cry, sometimes you'll just ponder. Uh, right now I'm working on a new character. Um, she's a real person. Her name was Amanda Berry Smith. And she was a, called the Colored Evangelist. And she was born into slavery, and her father made and sold brooms and, and bought all of them out of slavery, which is remarkable. When she, uh, she went to Liberia, India, like in 1880, 1890, a, a black woman, you know, was a missionary, and she was big in the AME church. So I have a costume that Sylvia Rupert, who, by the way, she works here at YSU. Sylvia Rupert made me this wonderful costume, and um, that's what I'm really working on now. And I'm really uh, passionate about Amanda Berry Smith because she's a person that was very prevalent, the most well-known black evangelist of her time, but yet nobody knows about her. Yeah, uh, it's news to me. Um, how do you channel this, I guess, this, this character of her? 
Um, I just actually pray because there are no recordings of it that I can find. So I have to suppose on the voice that I choose and I draw from different people, you know, and, um, but she was a real fiery woman and said at any minute she would break out in the song or just break out praising the Lord. She was very fiery. So I just picture in my head, you know, how she would sound, you know, who knows if I actually sound like her, but I, I feel like I'm doing her justice. Yeah. Do you see some uh, shared characteristics there between Jocelyn and, and the character, Bob? Uh, well, they're black and they're about the same age. She's about the same age okay. as um, okay. Amanda would have been. Uh-huh. And uh, She doesn't spontaneously break out into song and dance yeah, or joy? She does. <laughs> she does, yeah. Yeah, I do, but it's funny because Bob is the singer. And uh, people say, oh, I, I, they say, I know Bob sings you all the time. And I say, but I know he loves me because he lets me sing to him because I can't sing. <laughs> I just, I, but I sing and dance all the time, but I, I'm really not good at it. But he doesn't care, you know. So. You know, I can't dance either, but that doesn't stop me. You know, you got some rhythm, get it going for sure. Good time, it don't matter. Yeah. You know, as long as you're having a good time, you know, and that's what we do with stories. We just have a good time. Now, Bob just had his 50th class reunion from South High School last week. And um, it was interesting. You know, 50 years got here fast, didn't it, Bob? Sooner than I thought. <laughs> what did uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was kind of uh, surreal. You know, I don't feel as old as I am. <laughs> I feel a lot younger, but I guess I got that Peter Pan thing going. I never wanted to <laughs> grow old, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Let's keep it that way, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, can, uh, Jocelyn, can you maybe shed a little bit more light on, um, the, the African-American storytelling? Uh, when did, when did, have you always been doing that or when did it really kick into a high gear? Well, when I was working on my master's and plus just getting into the whole world of storytelling, there's a whole world. There's the International um, Storytelling uh, Festival that's in October. It's coming up pretty soon down in Jonesboro, Tennessee. People come from all over the world, and that's where you have these huge tents. That's why I was invited to tell there and um, many years ago, a tent maybe 2,000 people, but they might hold 4,000 people. It's a whole world. And then every year we go to um, the National Association of Black Storytellers Convention, and that's held all over the country and uh, we gather together and we tell stories and um, plus it's just in us it's just in us and with the call and response and just just sharing stories and songs poems chants we just have a good time what are um what are some of your your peers in, in that community doing are they they looking at historical characters or people of his in history and making characters out of them similar to you or are they coming up with completely fictional folks or what what are your your peers doing well actually all of the above because okay. most of us all tell a, 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 a wide range um, some tell just personal stories now I haven't gotten that's not a genre I've gotten into as much telling personal stories but we tell the fables the African folk tales poems songs chants a lot of them um, are doing the historical characters uh, but some aren't because some of them they're whole like we have one friend um his name is mitch capel and he uh, does paul and lawrence dunbar poems and he just he can just he memorizes hours upon hours of poems now he just started with another friend of his he started this thing called the color of courage and it's about the black uh, men in civil war and so everybody's doing different things. Storytelling encompasses everything. Like Bob always says, if you can sing, dance, draw, drum. All oh, the arts are drawn into storytelling, every art form. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
Bob, let's switch gears. Uh, I want to learn a little bit about you. Um, so you're a deacon? Yeah. Yes. Rising star. Rising, okay. Cool. Uh, tell, me about, uh, tell me about that role and, and how you got started in it and how it's affected you. Well, deacon means servant. You know, we're there to serve. I did not know that. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes <laughs> we're, we're there to look after our people in the church and in the community. You know, we reach out and... Um, it's basically uh, being available, you know, being available to be, to be whatever is needed, and um, um, spend a lot of time at the hospitals, you know, because people are sick, you know, or just working around the church. In fact, we're praying for a friend right now, you know, that's in the hospital. A couple of our friends, but um, we just believe in sharing the love of Jesus Christ because He saved us, and we're just happy to share the good news to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've spent uh, a lot of time in hospitals myself, not necessarily as a patient. Um, you know, uh, for example, I, I, have a, I have a genetic illness called cystic fibrosis, um, which, quite frankly, kills a lot of children. Yeah. So, like, the fact that I'm here, like, not a day goes by that I certainly don't feel blessed, yeah, but, like, amazing. I've, I um, know, you know, there's somebody, I mean, because, I mean, I wouldn't have known if you hadn't told me. Right, yeah, um, yeah, you, you know, usually when you see, like, um, like a 10-year-old child, they've got an insulin pump implanted into their body, they've probably got breathing tubes, and, you know, I've, I've been particularly fortunate, um, but I've been able to do a lot of advocacy work mm-hmm. as a result of that, and, like, go into the hospitals, and, and maybe uh you can you can expand on this but um one of the things that i found is that maybe through the variety of things that you're tasked with doing on a daily basis with with particularly with folks in the hospital you always learn a little bit about those folks and maybe how that changes you and um have there been any like really profound moments that you've had um you know when you visited folks in the hospital or um, you know, moments that have, you know, maybe changed your outlook on something? Mm. I, I would really have to think about well, that. I'll come back to you. Yeah, when uh, his mother was in the hospital, and um, she was in the hospital a long time, back in 01, and, and what happens, well, you know, other families are there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we got close to a family from East Palestine. I couldn't tell you their names, don't know what they look like to this day, but we became close because we prayed for their mother and they prayed for uh, Carrie, my mother-in-law. And during that time, they invited us to, to their wedding. It was a family wedding. And so we went to East Palestine, and I know people were like, who are these people? But they came and they hugged us, and um, we just became close at that time. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you've probably experienced that. But like I said, we don't know, I don't know their names, they don't know our names, but it was just something that happened that we bonded during that summer of 01. Isn't that like just a really beautiful thing where like, you know, two completely separate groups of people for whatever reason just converge and then, you know, uh, great things happen, great experiences, the transformative experiences, and then you go on your merry way. It, it's very mysterious. That's the transforming thing about uh, storytelling is that it draws in all groups of people. And as you begin to learn about other people, it breaks down the uh, dividing walls, you know, it's uh, really great. Yeah, I've, I've certainly seen that through doing these podcasts. Like, I had never met you folks before today. I knew absolutely nothing about you. Uh, 
Heck, I mean, you guys could have came in my office and be like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. It, it breaks down the, those dividing walls and, you know, uh, everyone's on, you know, standing parallel and, you know. Um, so um, having said that, I think what you're doing has um, some real power and importance behind it, particularly in Youngstown. Can can you talk about um, why you're doing these the the storytelling here? I mean, yes, you know it's a part of your other activities, but why is it so important to to do this here? Well, to me, it's important when we go among into the schools for them to see a positive black male role model. When they see Bob on those drums, those kids are just drawn to him, and we like. For them to see that you can have fun without the TV, without the iPods, without, you know, without the computers, you can have fun using your imagination. I'm very big on people using their imaginations. And I, I love when the kids faces, because at first they'll, they'll be like, oh, geez, what is this going to be? And then they just light up. And I used to tell stories to my students that ran, and that was a high school. And um, every year the freshmen come in and I would tell stories and they'd say, you're trying to treat us like little kids. And then they would forget about themselves and stop being cool and just enjoy the stories but I love to see people use their mind and engage their imaginations yeah um, you know we're actually so for the listeners we're we're in the creative arts and communication building Bliss Hall so you're in a building surrounded by imagination and, and creativity I'll have to take you down on the third floor uh, when all you hear is music I don't I don't hear anything right now but uh, the drumming is particularly effective um, I can definitely hear that but um, yeah we're we're surrounded by uh, all this this creativity here so like I could be walking down the hall and I could hear a trumpet or I could hear a guitar or drums and and that's really uh, just coming down the hall we're looking at the art yeah on the walls you know it's just fantastic what's going on here yeah, you can see it, and you're surrounded by it, and it, it makes things exciting. It keeps things it keeps things fresh. Um, I, I especially like the fact that you said when you you told stories to to your high school students, they were they were drawn in, they were pulled in, um, and even when you you told the the story at the top of the podcast, like I was immediately in. I was I was buying. I was in. Um, power of storytelling. Yeah. Um, but Shirley must tell some some somber tales, oh, yeah. um, you know, because uh, you know you can. I, I suspect you could probably find great lessons and great strength through through somber tales, through tales of of sadness and disaster and whatever the case may be. Um, you don't have to recite one by any means because I don't think anyone, any of us want to be brought down right now. But uh, out of curiosity, like what kind of what what are those stories? Well, one story that I just fell in love with that found me was The People Could Fly, and it was uh, written, it's an a, a African-American tale, um, but it was written by Virginia Hamilton, who was uh, from Yellow Springs, Ohio. And um, the story is about when people could fly, and that was uh, when, this, when we were in captivity, that you, yes, our bodies were in captivity, but you couldn't take our minds so in our minds our minds were free and we could fly and we could do all sorts of things and um that story really drew it was drawn to me and um virginia hamilton they have a conference in kent every year and i actually had the privilege of telling that story in front of her 
before she passed away. So it was just very special. But certainly uh, stories of slavery and during the Civil Rights Movement, those stories real make you think and make you uh, ponder, make you mad, might make you cry. But those stories have to be told. And we have to tell our own stories. Nobody can tell your story like you can. Now, you have a family story to tell. You have to tell your story. And we have to tell our story. You know, for too long, we let other people tell our stories. And just like with Amanda Berry Smith, um, she was from the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And I grew up AME. That's what it's called. I knew about my the founder, Richard Allen, who separated from the ME Church, the Methodist Episcopal Church, because of discrimination back in the 1700s. But I never heard about her. Why? You know, the history is told. But they forgot all about her, mm -hmm. you know, as they often do with other ethnic groups, um, African-Americans, just any ethnic, ethnic groups and also women. I think they haven't talked about it because she was a woman, let alone a black woman. We have to tell our stories. Thus the phrase forgotten histories. Um, Bob, what about you? Any um, any particular uh, stories that you find that may have a um, a sad or frustrating um, core to them, but ultimately, you know, a powerful learned lesson at the end. No, I I kind of like the um, the stories that that um, speak of our um, inabilities. There's stories that you she she tells that talks about say the man with the big nose, because that was me. <laughs> and, and I'm saying those stories can free people, because, you know, we grow up with feeling ashamed about stuff that we have no control over. You know, you, you can't help the way you were born. But through stories, you begin to see that whatever your traits are, you should be proud of them, and you can use them for uh, a betterment. You know, you don't have to be ashamed or hide or be shy. You can come in. I had to overcome shyness, you know, because I was always shy when I was young. How did you overcome it? Um, just being out in the public. I, I, being a, in a band, I had to be in the public all the time. Mm -hmm. And then when the storytelling started, it continued to be in the public eye. And so you get comfortable after a while just speaking and, and uh, quit hiding, you know. There's yeah. one thing about uh, shy people. People think they're stuck up. And that's not the case. We just shy away. And so when you're always out in the public, you know, you either got to step up or people will look at you as being, uh, he's a nerd or he's this or that. You know, so I had to overcome all of that and uh, learn how to speak, you know, and not be ashamed. You know. um, you, you, or even, you know, being acknowledged. Like, shy people is just like, oh, that person's just not going to talk. So we're going to ignore them as a result. Take a compliment. You know, a compliment is hard for shy folks. You know, It, much like everything else, takes practice. And it more more specifically, I think, really courage to, to to put yourself out there. You know, one of the things that I have to deal with on a on a frequent basis is the the the, the fear of failure, um, which I'm sure you know uh, you've seen it in your students. It's 
it's so prevalent and i i always try to encourage students to to make mistakes and through that they they build that that courage and you laugh at yourself sometimes it doesn't work or you just laugh at yourself and if it doesn't work like the old things old addy says try 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 again but um nothing beats failure except to stop trying i you know i just feel like and i don't like when people won't try because they're scared of failing i see they're reaching low instead of reaching high they're reaching low because they don't want to do the lowest common denominator Mm -hmm. instead of reaching up a little higher and and maybe succeeding because you don't even know but I know I've just learned in life to just you laugh at yourself, and if it doesn't work, you try something else. Humility, yeah, humility is a very uh, powerful tool uh, in in that sense. Um, so I'm sure that through all the practice that you do with these stories, <laughs> you've got some. Sometimes you've you've made you know you've made errors and <laughs> you've <laughs> flubbed something. Um, well, until you get in front of a live audience, you honestly don't know how it's going to work. And it's always scary to try new stories. I've been doing new stories um, lately, and it is very scary because I have my tried and true ones like the one I told you. I know that works. And But when you first start off, it, the story you hear this year will be totally different by next year. Because I will have worked with the audience, and a lot of times the audience will say something, or, you know, and, and it'll just like the squeaking door, and that story came from an audience member one time. So, oh, I'm going to keep that in there. You know, um, but you, you have to work and hone your craft. Nothing comes fast. Nothing comes fast because people think, oh, I'm just going to get up and tell stories. But no, you don't just stand up and tell, just like stand-up comedians. Everybody think, oh, I can just be a stand-up comedian. No, you can't. You oh, have yeah. to work at it. Yeah. And they've probably got, like, the biggest fear of failure oh, yeah. ever. Oh, when you hear them talk, oh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon, all of them, when you hear them talk, they all have horror stories of when they were out first out. But, I mean, that's the way it goes. Yeah, on top of, like, many developed neuroses as a result. Hey. But, you know, yeah, they're putting themselves out there. Um, how, do you, how do you read an audience? How do you do a temperature check with them? Maybe... Have you ever reached a, a point where you get on stage and you're like, I'm going to tell this particular story, and then you just get a beat on them? And like, this isn't going to fly. i got to pivot and, and do something else. Yeah, well, that's what you do. You look in their faces, although sometimes there was a time I, we were telling at a storytelling event, and this lady, she was like, <sighs> she was looking up, down, and just like, and I said, oh, gee, she's hating everything I'm telling well, when the storytelling program was over, she ran up to me. Her face was all lit up. She told me everything I, I told. She said, I just enjoyed it so much, and you brought back so many memories. And so, in a way, I've learned not to, to read faces because I really thought she was hating everything I was doing. So, But then other times, I might have a program that I have all set, and I get there, especially library programs. Sometimes you get to everybody's 3 to 5. Sometimes you get to everybody's 90 and up. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times it's in between, so you have to tell a little bit of everything. But you just look at their faces, but people are yawning. I don't like boring people. I don't like boring people. So. You can pretty much tell if you're holding their attention or if not. Mm-hmm. So so what do you guys do when you're not holding their attention? Well, Bob plays the drum. He plays the drum series. He plays the drum and sing. Bob, why don't you sing a little bit of Awesome God? Oh, good boy. I would love that. Yes, please. Yeah. 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 But Bob sings. Seriously, they, they, Bob perks everybody up when he sings. It's basically the story. I am. Well, the joke's on him because I'm going to try to come to the next session you have and I'll covertly, secretly record it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. How dare you deprive me of your talents, Bob? <laughs> 
Um, so what happens next? What, you know, you're evolving your storytelling. Okay. Um, and right now, is it just the drums that you have that that's the only musical accompaniment? Okay. So if I come in and I have a, a recorder, like a flutophone, can I join in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've done that, but I'm not really good at it. I'm trying to record it, but I'm not good with it. All the arts can uh, get involved. I think it would be so, – one of the things that I've been really trying to encourage I, – I, I have occasional interactions with the music students. And one of the things that I'm trying to encourage them to do is to just pop up perform. Like they could, you know, you could be walking down the street and then all of a sudden they start singing or, you know, uh, maybe they're beatboxing or whatever. They just do it. Um, as, as visual artists, we don't necessarily have, and by we, I mean myself and my students, we don't necessarily have the, the opportunity to just stop what we're doing and create something because we need substrate. We need materials, you know. Um, we can't just stop on the sidewalk and start singing. And I'm very envious of that. Um, do you guys actually, here's a good question. Do you guys find yourself just randomly singing at, at, at all times, not all times, but you know, you could be walking down the street or, you know, walking down the hallway in the hospital. You just kind of. Oh, yeah. If it's yeah. On, on the music, I'll sing and dance in a minute in the store. I'm singing <laughs> and dancing, especially if they put on some Motown I, yeah. and Sparkle Market singing and dancing. But that's just me, though. I don't know if that has anything to do with storytelling. <laughs> oh, no, it may not. It may not. Uh, but um, let's talk about a music in that sense. Who Who are your who are your people? Who are your favorites? What do you listen to? I'm all old school. James Brown, mm -hmm. you know, Motown, Temptations. I'm all old school. My iPod has all old school on it, basically, in gospel music. Okay. Yeah, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know. Yeah, that's what we that's call old nice. school. Young people call the 90s old school. <laughs> we're talking People old younger old than me. School. Yeah, we're talking old school, you know. Um, I, I, I love the fact that, that you're – you're listening to that music and, and it's still prevalent. It still holds up. It still holds up. I mean, there's just, uh, you you see a lot of substance in, in older music like that, that you don't get today. Um, so I definitely have an appreciation, uh, Particularly for James Brown, just because, like, yeah. I mean, you could just start. You <laughs> had to do James Brown. Yeah, I mean, you could just start dancing automatically. Um, but I have uh, a poem about James Brown. I'll just do a little bit. Oh, please do. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Get down, James Brown, Godfather of Soul. Uh, I got the feeling, don't you know? The hardest working man in show biz. Let me tell you about this life of his. Okay, that's just a little. Oh, man, that's great. that's great. That's great. But I, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our Easter play that we did. Yeah, please church do. At Rising yes. Star Baptist Church, where Kenneth M. Donaldson is our pastor. And by the way, he was my student oh. at RAN. Yeah, he came out in class of 86. But we've been doing the play for about, like I said, 16 or 17 years. And it's a passion play. It's every Easter weekend, every year, Good Friday, Saturday, Easter, Sunday, come out. It's a cast between 75 and 100 people. Um, it's, it's, uh, the passion play is seen through African American eyes. And it's uh, really good, you know. They come out to see it. And this year, um, I think, uh, who is it? Um, he's over campus, InterVarsity here at YSU's campus, Eli Ducatel. He's going to be Jesus this year, too. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's not your next performance. Like, I mean, that always happens. Oh. What, what do you have? 
That's an, yeah, that's a long term. What do you got going on in the short term? Well, uh, next month we'll be going to a panda camp. That's Prevent and Neutralize Drugs and Alcohol. It's a, a drug-free camp that they do around uh, the Trumbull Mahoney County area. And they go to a camp in Carrollton, Ohio. And there's a group of kids. Um, in the fall is juniors, uh, junior high kids. In the, se- in the spring is senior high kids. And then they're there for three or four days. And they talk about a variety of issues. But we always go in on Saturday afternoon and tell stories. So that's what we'll be doing in November. And we love going there. And the good thing about that, the staff, all the young, the youth staff, they request me and Bob. And we feel very honored that, you know, they have a couple old geezers they want to see come and tell stories. Well, I, aside from the fact that you're both awesome, I think that the, the stories you tell are, are transcendent between generations. You know, they're, uh, it, it applies to everybody. It does. It's stories do, uh, uh, touch. I'm saying feelings touch no matter what the age is. You know, feelings are feelings, and that's that's the um, drawing part of storytelling that, that takes every culture, because we can all feel each other's pain. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's just uh, remarkable how it uh, brings us together. You know, so there is no age limit when it comes to uh, stories and and uh, re- being able to relate. Um. What uh, what does PANDA stand for again? Prevent and neutralize drugs and alcohol. So needed right now, uh, particularly in the, in this area uh, with all that's been going on. Um, and it's a very, very powerful camp. And the children get together, and they just, it's really good. And they have different presenters that talk about everything from drugs and alcohol to, like, we tell stories, um, just um, self-esteem. It's a very, It's a wonderful camp. And it's put, like I said, uh, uh, children from uh, Mahoning and uh, Trumbull County. I think maybe Columbiana County too. Um, there's like a there's like a, a a theatrical or musical therapy kind of vibe that I'm getting. Where um, do you ever have uh, or have you had students in the past or uh, people at your church or whatever that you know they use storytelling as a, as a, a therapeutic mechanism to overcome their, their own problems. Like for example, um, if, if I had a, a student that had some particularly troubling home life, like, mm-hmm. you know, they can channel their frustrations through the storytelling. Have you, have you ever had any experiences like that? Yeah, they, they can, or they'll come up or a story will touch them. Like it's a story I've just started telling about the crack pot. You ever heard about the crack pot? No story. Well, in a nutshell, it's a pot that was made. The master made the pot, and it has a crack in it. And a servant girl, the servant of the king, she buys this pot, and she looks at that flaw because it has a crack in it, and she says, "Well, I know just what I can do with this pot." Well, she, every day she carries two pots down. She puts a long stick and hangs the pots on either side, and carries them down to the river, and she fills them up with water. And every day that pot with the uh, flaw in it, the one that had a crack in it, it would lose half his water. And now I know you didn't realize that, but at night pots talk. And this water pot felt, you know, very bad because it said, I'm not fulfilling my destiny. I'm not knowing what I'm made to do. And the perfect pot's like, yeah, because you always lose half your water. Well, one day the servant girl was carrying the pots down and the, and the pot couldn't stand any longer. He said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, she after she got past being startled, the pot was talking. She said, what's wrong? And the pot said, every day I, I lose half my water. I'm not doing what I was made to do. And the servant girl said, wait a minute, I'm going to show you something. So she took him down to the water and, and filled him up. 
And on the way up, she said, I want you to look down on your side. And when the pot looked down, it was all these beautiful flowers going up the hill. And the pot said, okay, well, that makes me feel good, but what does that have to do with me? She said, well, see, when I got you, when I purchased you, I knew what I could do and how I could use your flaw. See, I planted the flower seeds on your side of the hill. And see, I turned your flaw into flowers. And um, so I'm saying you tell stories like that. And many of us feel like that crackpot. You know, we're like, well, what is it? Something's wrong with me. I always tell people I got in trouble. I got uh, um, paddled three times in school because back in the old days you get paddled. Guess what I got paddled for doing? What was I doing? Talking. talking, you know, that was a flaw. They were like, why doesn't she quit talking? But look what happened, you know, yeah. look how God used that. He turned my flaw into flowers. Isn't it so just eloquent and simple, kind of how that works out, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's very peculiar. Um, but uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you both so much for, for being here. And, and can, can I get, maybe I'm being selfish here, but can I get one more for the road? We've told enough today. Okay, fair I enough. Think, oh, well, I know what we can do. We can do the storytelling time, okay? Okay? Okay. It's story... Storytelling time. It's story... Storytelling time. It might be a story. It might be a poem. It might be a chant. It might have a song. Might have rhythm. Might have rhyme, might start out with once upon a time because it's story, storytelling time. It's story, storytelling time. It might be the truth, it might be a lie. I might tell you who, I might tell you why. It might have tears, it might have laughter. Might end up with happily ever after, cause it's story, storytelling time. It's story, storytelling time. Awesome. I can't end on a better note than that. Thank you both very much.